So I talked a little bit of the mouth yesterday and I only touched on a little bit of it and it was when I was talking about um, when I was talking about coming against the lies and how I had to use my mouth and how I had to speak scripture against it. And it wasn't that I believed I was creating something with my words, but I was creating something in myself. And I was creating and breaking down the walls and the lies that I believed in order to create faith in those areas. Um, I think sometimes we can get, you know, you get stuck on some sorts of teachings that may make you feel like you're, uh, you can create something with your words. And the thing is, the words are very, 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 very powerful. And I think we lose sight of that, the power of our mouth and the things that come out of our mouth. And we forget that. Because as soon as something comes out of your mouth that is contrary to the word of God, who do you think wants to right away come up to it and partner with that? Uh, the enemy. Because you are now speaking his language. So the moment something comes out and he can come, yep, that is, that's true. That is what it is, that, you know, and reminding you, and then you come with it more, and then that affects your expectations, your feelings, your behaviors, because of what's coming out of your mouth. So I want to I come from an area of how to change our mouths and the power of the mouth in order to get you to a place of empowerment and using your mouth to stay in that place. Um, I want to take Romans 10, 9 through 10, um, where uh, we're, they're uh, talking about confession. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on Christ, and so is justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God, and with the mouth he confessed, declares openly and speaks out freely with faith and confirms the salvation. Now there's a lot of uh, different places in the scripture when they're talking about Salvation, they're talking about you're supposed to confess verbally that Jesus is Lord. Why do they have you stand up in church? What is it? Is it to embarrass you? It feels like it would be an embarrassment when they're asking people when you want to come to Christ, can you stand up and verbalize it and stand up? Because then you're standing up to what you've lived in. You're standing up to maybe the lies of the enemy. You're standing up and you're verbalizing. You're putting it out there. That's your first step of faith. So um, I want to just talk about the power of your confession. So... Um, so right there, in your mouth, you have, is saying, the power of life and death. And those who, who, what was the last part? Love it, <laughs> okay, those who love it will eat his fruit. So what is he saying? You know, so what you're, you're going to eat out, you're going to eat the fruit of what you're, of what you're saying, right? What are you pairing up with? Like what's coming out of your mouth? You have the power to break and you have the power to build. And I think the, the biggest experience of learning the power of words is when I went through so much abuse and realized that those words had the power of death on me. And they did. And they created a place for me for many, many years that I've still come against the lies and abuse that was spoken over me and coming against the power of those words. So I'm like, this person had the power to create something on me. What's the power that I have in my words? So if I'm taking and I'm attaching myself to the stuff spoken over me, then I'm lining right up with it. And, I, and I've come to the place where God is kind of showing me what I need to do is take the scripture, the truth of the scripture, and the moment those thoughts, those beliefs or things spoken over me are said, I'm going to come at it with the opposite. Because I believe curses can be spoken over you. Somebody can say something over you and over you, and you take it, and you grab hold of it, and then you live out of it. And that is where the curse is created. That is where you are pairing up with the enemy wants you to pair up with. And so coming back against this and not allowing those words to have any authority over 
you because the enemy wants that. Once he can create you and get you in a defeated place, then you live out of that. And so it's coming back, and it's when you're hearing these things and stuff may that may have been identified to you today or things that start coming up where you may deal with self-hatred or you may deal with kind of a distortion of where you start to see your mind and your thoughts go. And although you may not have verbalized it yet, when you're used to verbalizing it, as if you wake up and you feel depressed. I feel depressed. I am depressed. You live out of that, right? How many times have you experienced that? You feel a certain way. You ride your emotions. You live in the way you feel. You line up with it. You pair up with it with your words. Does it mean the moment that you wake up and you battle depression, you wake up depressed and you say, I am not depressed in Jesus' name. I thank you that I have the joy of the Lord. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, please just touch me. Give me your joy. And then you're instantly, hey, it could happen. I'm not saying you can't. God can do anything. He may do it just like that. But when that's something you've been walking in, it's usually going to be a bit of a thing you're going to come against. This may be something you repeatedly have to stand against. Um, When it came to me struggling majorly with depression for as many years as I had it, it started about 14 to 15 and I went into my late 20s with it. Um, It was me still battling depression, taking tons of medication for it and still taking the medication while I did this because I knew that it was not time for me to stop that and that he was going to show me when it was time and I was going to know because there was going to be a change in me already. I would speak and I would wake up and be not going, I'm bipolar. I used to tell people, hey, you know, I have, I have bipolar. That's why I do this. And I didn't tell a lot of people. I was embarrassed of it. But it is something that I fell back on and why I maybe have acted a certain way. I started to say, um, thank you, God, that you deliver me of this depression and this sadness. And I'm popping, you know, the medication at the same time. God, I just thank you of who I am in Christ Jesus. Thank you that I see myself in that. Um, I smoke cigarettes. I'd be like, thank you. I don't smoke. You know, like, thank you, God, I'm not a smoker. Like, I was coming at it. I was coming against it. I wanted that reality to take place in me and not live out of it. I'm an addict. This is what I do. Like, I'm, you know, bipolar, and I'm an addict, and I'm going to live in it. I was going to come back at it in another way. And like I say, all my examples are super, like, crazy and sometimes not always relatable, but if you can put them in a place of where you're at and what you're experiencing and how you notice that there's things that may come up in you and you speak out of that and coming against it with the truth and the word of God. Now, I did this for a few years where um, I think the, the one with depression, I did at least a year and a half before I start to see a break in that area. Every day, I took my medications until I started noticing oh, I wasn't battling um, that bad of depression or something started lifting. I started having joy and air. So I didn't see myself. I quit smoking and I was still on all the medications. Slowly, things just started changing in my life and I started changing. And Jan can attest to this, of seeing what it was like for years, of just seeing a change in me. I'd come home for breaks, and I'd be living in Tulsa. Probably a new thing had broken off of me, and there was kind of a difference. Sarah's laughing more. There's more of a happiness. It was a process of breaking the things off of me, but what I realized, the power of the mouth is huge, 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 huge. I cannot say that there. you will not get through the uh, entire breakthrough that God has for you without lining your mouth up with him. It just won't happen because the word of God is the truth of God. And the enemy wants to line your mouth up with what he has to say about you. And he wants you to live out of it and expecting bad things and talking out of that, that, um, that place of pain and staying in it. So what I, what I want to challenge you guys is to, um, have a bold mouth for God. You know, talking about a bold mouth is having his mouth, is letting what is um, what he is giving you and the truth that is in the word, lining up with that and getting taking the steps of walking in the boldness of the word of God and letting it um, come out. 
When there's an area in your life that you can identify that you're battling, go find the scripture and the promise in it. So it's like how I got Isaiah 61.7 about restoration. That was my scripture I latched onto and was like, this is my scripture of restoration. Now there's ton, the other one is John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and life more abundant. The um, steal, kill, and destroy was huge for me. Because then I was like, oh my gosh, all the areas that I've seen stolen, that I've seen dead, that I felt destroyed, wait, there's somebody else here. There's somebody else doing this. But God, Jesus, this is what you came for. I'm going to claim this. I want my eyes open to where I'm being stolen from. And I want to come in and I want to um, believe that Jesus has an abundant life for me. Grab hold of a scripture. Because when you grab hold of the scripture, it becomes yours. You make it personal. You live out of that scripture. You have to verbalize it. When we just read the Bible... You're not always going to live out of just reading it. You've got to take a hold of it. You've got to make it personal. It's not about just memorizing a scripture. It's about it becoming yours. It's about like taking the Ephesians and placing you and saying, I, I pray this, where Paul is praying it for them and making it personal to you because that's where revelation comes. And that's where you start living out of that. Um, how do I identify that your mouth is lining up with the devil's lies versus God's truth? Now, I already said this. When you feel a certain way, you live out of the emotion. I feel depressed today, so I am. You ride your emotions. Whatever you're feeling each day, this is, that's kind of what you're in. You do it, and you live in it. You don't combat it. So does it mean you, you know, you're feeling very horrible and you just play fake all day? I don't know. Maybe that is what God will tell you to do. I don't really know. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you, but you verbalize it. You combat it. You come back at what you're feeling that you know is not the way you want to feel. That you know is not of God. And you want to live in a more of a place of joy and, ha and happiness or whatever the area is. You combat it with the word. You combat it and you verbalize it. You put it out there. You put those words out there just like we put the darkness out there, just like we put the lies out there. You're now coming back with the truth and you're putting that out there to take place of where the lies have been. Um, you constantly feel like you've been defeated, so you go into circumstances already defeated. Um, that can just be identified in how you live your day-to-day -day life and what your expectation is and, and stuff that you experience. Are you able to expect, it's like, you know, I could so easily walk into, you know, public, spe public speaking and doing this stuff and already and just be like, there's just no way I can do this. There's no way I can't do it. I have to get into a place that's not me. It's God. So I thank you, God, that you're going to do it. And I'm going to just give myself to you, and I'm going to stand in this and allow you to do it. It's taking, it's getting, taking his place because you're, you're in victory because of him. So you got to give all of the recognition over to him. Once you take, remove yourself from your situation and what feels impossible or what you may be walking in feeling defeated, and you replace it with him, you're going to see that the situation that you walk into, you're already walking into it victorious because of him no matter what the outcome is. But you need to let him in to that area and let him do what he wants to do because that's when God wants to show up. Um, do you, uh, you don't have a filter in your mouth. And don't say anything to me, okay? I'm getting more filters, so I know I've said that multiple times about not having a complete filter. My filters are getting better. But I mean like a filter with, like like I was saying before, like you just kind of say what you're, you're feeling, like your emotions and how you feel. You just, that's it. You put it out there. I don't, I feel like going into work and maybe you don't feel good. I feel totally horrible today. Today is just, I, today I just don't feel good. It's a bad day. Everybody here is annoying me. They're so annoying. 
You know what I mean? And I still do that sometimes when I'm like irritable. But it's like you're verbalizing like exactly how you feel. You're just lining up. You're going right with it. And instead of like walking in and praying before you go in tonight, thank you, God, just help me with this this irritability and this annoyance of people and how I go in. I thank you that I love that person no matter what, even if they annoy me. And like verbalizing it and like coming against it before you walk into the situation. Um <laughs> I saw Chance's face last night. I did see her over there just like, I know. Okay. I just spoke words over me. You speak more negative than positive. You're negative Nancy. That used to be my nickname. So that's why I say that. Literally. I'm not kidding you. At a salon I worked at, I was known as a negative Nancy. And I wanted to be a positive Polly. Like, I wish that that had been my nickname, but I didn't know how to be that because everything I spoke and the way I felt was just horrible. That's just how I was. People would come in and be like, think that I look like a very mean hairstylist and probably did not want their hair done by me. And I did. I mean, I look, you know, people still think I do when I'm not smiling, but I was way, way, way worse then because I just looked angry all the time and I'm surely intimidated a ton of people because of that. And that was my inside, the negativity that I felt just spewed out of me and I lived out of that and it was hurt and pain you know I've always had a soft heart I do and I but I have a rough exterior because of everything that I've been through and I was a lot more rough and that wall and that roughness is what kept the softness hidden and what kept me um, protected to me that was my protection it was the wall that I created around myself to scare you off that you did not want anything to do with me that you wouldn't want to talk to me you wouldn't want to be my friend because that kept me safe and you couldn't hurt me and nothing would happen to you that would hurt me. And so I couldn't lose you in my life. And so you couldn't get close enough for me to lose you. So the roughness is what I created. I guarantee there's a lot of you in here that can identify with putting on a face and putting on something to protect you. Um, So it was living out of that negativity and coming at it and walking into places that maybe were not comfortable for me and getting to have relationships that maybe made me cry because of the fear of losing them and um, allowing people into a dark place that was so hidden. The fact that I can stand in front of you and give my testimony the way I can is seriously, it's like where I used to be, I could never verbalize what I had been through because I thought everybody thought I was crazy and I thought they judged me. And so getting to that place where I could allow the softness, I could allow the things inside of me to come off and let God remove the wall that I had created. And although it was uncomfortable, to get comfortable with the uncomfortable because that's where he was healing me. It was to step out and be uncomfortable and get beyond that wall. And it felt scary and it felt like I was alone. But as I got beyond it, I realized he always showed up. And even if I felt rejected, even if somebody did hurt me and it was painful and I had to cry through it and I worked through it and freak out and have anxiety attacks about it, that he would still come in and say, it's okay. I never rejected you. You're never rejected. I'm here no matter what anybody does to you. I'm still here and it's all about me and I'm going to take care of you and just wait. Walking through the pain, the healing's on the other side. Enduring and facing it, the healing is on the other side. So it's getting to the other side of it. I want to talk about praying with boldness and this is what I want to end with. Because along with praying, with having a bold mouth, um, you got to pair it up with how you pray. Because coming to God with boldness And how can we come to God with boldness? You can come to God with boldness when you're coming to him with his will and what is scripturally based. Because in that, his will is revealed. So you can come to him with knowing his plans, knowing the things he has for you. If you can find it in scripture, then you can come before him with boldness. Um, I want to do... 
the, the, let's do Ephesians 3.12, and I want to do Hebrews 4.16. Ephesians 3.12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 4.16, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy in our failures and Find grace to help in good time for each need, appropriate help and well time, coming just when we need it. So fearlessly, confidently, boldly is used in every, I think, almost every um, translation of the scripture. The bold definition in King James Version, daring, courageous, brave, um, intrepid. Is that a word? Intrepid. Intrepid. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Bold. Bold. It means bold. Okay. (laughs) That's true. Okay. Fearless. (laughs) <laughs> fearless applied to men or other animals. Oh, this is applied to men or other animals as bold or as a lion. I like that. So requiring courage in an execution, executed with spirit or boldness, planned with courage and spirit, a bold enterprise, confident, not um, timorous. So not timid. So, so basically he is saying that you, that is how you draw near to him, that you can come into the throne room with boldness. So how are you coming into prayer with God? How are, are you coming in begging him and saying, oh, please, God, please, God, please, God, do this and do this and do this and do this? I would challenge you, go into the word of God, find a scripture of the area that you are struggling with and come and partner with that scripture and that is what you're going to pray out of. So whatever, you know, I could be anything because some of it you may see, well, I can't find a scripture with that. Well, take that you are a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That can pair up with anything that you're going through. So no matter what it is, God, I thank you. I'm not going to beg you and beg you and beg you in this situation. I thank you, God, that you have plans of good and not of evil. I thank you, God, that I am a conqueror through you, Father. I just thank you, God, that you have all things set up according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus, and you will provide for me. It's taking a scripture, making it personal and praying out of that in the area that you're dealing with. Because as you're coming to him and you're standing before him, it's almost like if we sit there and beg God, then we look at him as this father that is sitting there going, uh-uh, I got it behind my back. Uh-uh. You know, and if you beg me enough, maybe I'll make a move towards you and do it, right? Do you beg your parents? I mean, I guess some of us could. I mean, depending on what type of parents you have. But if you have, you know, I don't see myself, when I go to my dad and ask him for something, I'm not begging him and begging him and begging him. I kind of go with him in confidence, knowing that he will come through in that area, knowing that he loves me and that he'll provide. And if I need him in this area, I don't have to sit there and bug him, bug him, bug him. I ask him, you know, to do it. Does it mean that God is going to do what you want instantaneously? No, God provides in the way in his time and how he sees fit. And his answer is not always going to be what you want. And it's not always going to be what you expect, but it is what is better for you. And because his plans for you are always better than your plans for yourself. And so once you're able to, to grab a hold of scripture and do that, I, this is why I am just so um, like passionate about grabbing hold of a scripture and verbalizing it and not verbalizing it just out loud, but verbalizing it in your prayer life and having your prayers tagging on scriptures. So as you're speaking stuff up, you're, you're pairing with the scripture. You know, you have the, the, the will of God that is revealed in the word of God, right? Stuff that you know is his will. Then there's things that are not revealed. So if there's things that you just know you're praying for that you cannot have a scripture because you don't know the will of God in that area. So yeah, you ask God, give me whatever your will is in this area, God. But I ask you and I just thank you for your peace 
and in this a time of wait for me and whatever it is. And I thank you, God, that you just provide for me in this. And you grab hold of whatever other promises that he has for you in the waiting period of the answer, whether the answer is what you want or it's not what you want. Um, uh, Luke 11, 5 through 10, so I like, this is Jesus telling, teaching about prayer. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on the journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. And my children, my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, you will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seeking, you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For anyone who asks receives, for one who seeks um, finds, and the one who knocks the door uh, will be open. I like shameless audacity. That's my favorite part of that scripture. <laughs> like that he's saying to come with him with shameless audacity. Like that's kind of crazy. Like I can come with you with that much boldness, God, and just um, and hear me right when I say this. I'm not saying you go to God and demand and say, give me this. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying you go to him as, you're, as, a, as confident as you are in your father. You are confident in who he is. You're confident in his heart for you. You're confident in his love for you. You're confident if even if that prayer isn't answered the way you want it, you're confident that his plan is better than yours and that there's always a bigger picture. So it's coming to him like that. It's drawing into the throne room, not saying out a, beg a beggar, but coming into the throne room of God confident that he's been waiting for you and waiting to see his daughter. And he hasn't been sitting there judging you. He hasn't been sitting there mad at you. He hasn't been sitting there frustrated with the decision you made yesterday or decision you made today. He is excited that you've come to him. He's excited that you want to talk to him no matter what you want to talk about. He wants to hear you. He's the one waiting for us. We are not waiting for God to show up. Let me just tell you that. God is here. He is always here. He lives in us. He is here. He is waiting for us to take the step to him. He has already given himself and everything to us. He has sacrificed his son for us. He has opened the doors to his throne room already there open. So it's taking the step and coming to him, coming into him and sitting on his lap and not allowing the guilt and shame that the enemy wants to put on you to keep you off of his lap, keep you on the outside thinking God is judging you, is angry at you, and uh, has, has different plans for you because of the, the decision of your life. Guess what? God's a lot bigger than any decision that anybody has ever made. He's a lot bigger, and he can take care of that in a split second, and he can make it new, and he can turn your life around. It's just like me, you know, getting to a place of all the drugs I had gotten into and, you know, to doing the worst drugs I'd ever done in my life and so messed up, choosing to be with a guy that I knew was wrong. And the moment that I sat there and I said, God, I'm done, I'm done, I'm putting myself, I'm saying, I want to come back. And it was two weeks later, I was taken out of the state. He was waiting for me. He was waiting for me. He wasn't mad. He wasn't sitting there, oh, Sarah, I, you know, murr. he understood my pain. He knew why I would choose that. He knew why I lived out of that. But he wanted me to take a step to him. He wanted me to step out to him and say, God, I'm ready. And right there, there he was, and he was always there. He never left me. He was never angry at me. I woke up guilted every single day, and I thought that was him mad at me. And that's why my life was going to be so bad was because he was mad at me. No, I was living out of the repercussions of the, of the decisions I had made. And that's what was going. God was wanting me back the whole time, and he was sitting there waiting for it to come back. So I just know that, that God is waiting for us. He wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to come in and talk to him and get on his lap and 
talk to him like a child talks to their father. Um, and that starts with praying with boldness. And it starts with using your mouth. And it starts with combating things with your tongue.